Section 7, Volume 2 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 7 when it was the fortieth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when they told the governor he rose and mounted and taking with him labourers with spades and baskets went on my track with many people behind him and i ran on before them howling and casting dust on my head and beating my face followed by my mistress and her children keening for the dead but i got ahead of them and entered the garden before them and when my master saw me in this state i smiting my face and saying well away my mistress alas 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 who is left to take pity on me now that my mistress is gone would i had been a sacrifice for her he stood aghast and his colour waxed yellow and he said to me what ails thee o kafir what is the matter o oh, my lord i replied when thou sentest me to the house i found that the saloon wall had given way and had fallen like a lair upon my mistress and her children and did not thy mistress escape no by allah o oh, my master not one of them was saved the first to die was my mistress thine elder daughter and did not my younger daughter escape no she did not and what became of the mare mule i used to ride is she safe no by allah o oh, my master the house walls and the stable walls buried every living thing that was within doors even to the sheep and geese and poultry so that they all became a heap of flesh and the dogs and cats are eating them and not one of them is left alive and hath not thy master my elder son escaped no by allah not one of them was saved and now there is not left of house or household nor even a sign of them and as for the sheep and geese and hens the cats and dogs have devoured them when my master heard this the light became night before his sight his wits were dazed and he so lost command of his senses that he could not stand firm on his feet he was as one struck with a sudden palsy and his back was like to break then he rent his raiment and plucked out his beard and casting his turban from off his head buffeted his face till the blood ran down and he cried aloud alas my children alas my wife alas my calamity to whom ever befell that which hath befallen me the merchants his friends also cried aloud at his crying and wept for his weeping and tore their clothes being moved to pity of his case and so my master went out of the garden smiting his face with such violence that from excess of pain he staggered like one drunken with wine as he and the merchants came forth from the garden gate behold they saw a great cloud of dust 
and heard a loud noise of crying and lamentation. So they looked, and lo, it was the governor with his attendants and the town folk, a world of people who had come out to look on, and my master's family following them, all screaming and crying aloud, and weeping exceeding sore weeping. The first to address my owner were his wife and children, and when he saw them he was confounded and laughed and said to them, How is it with all of you, and what befell you in the house, and what hath come to pass you? When they saw him they exclaimed, Praise to be to Allah for thy preservation, and threw themselves upon him, and his children hung about him, crying, Slack, our father, thanks to Allah for thy safety, O our father. And his wife said to him, Art thou indeed well? Lord, to Allah who hath shown us thy face in safety. And indeed she was confounded, and her reason fled when she saw him, and she asked, O oh, my lord, how didst thou escape, thou and thy friends, the merchants? And he answered her, And how fared it with thee in the house? Quoth they, We were all well, whole and healthy, nor had aught of evil befallen us in the house, save that thy slave Kapur came to us bareheaded with torn garments and howling. Alas, the master, alas, the master! So we asked him, What tidings, O Kafir? And he answered, A wall of the garden hath fallen on my master, and his friends, the merchants, and they are all crushed and dead. By Allah, said my master, he came to me, but now howling. Alas, my mistress, alas, the children of the mistress! and said, My mistress and her children are all dead, every one of them. Then he looked round, and seeing me with my turban rent in rags round my neck, howling and weeping with exceeding weeping, and throwing dust upon my head, he cried out at me. So I came to him, and he said, Woe to thee, O ill-omened slave, O whore-son knave! O oh, thou damned breed, what mischief thou hast wrought! By Allah, I will flog thy skin from thy flesh, and cut thy flesh from thy bones. I rejoined, By Allah, thou canst do nothing of the kind with me, O my lord, for thou boughtest me with my blemish and there are honest men to bear witness against thee that thou didst so accepting the condition, and that thou knewst of my fault, which is to tell one lie every year. Now this is only a half lie, but by the end of the year I will tell the other half. Then will the lie stand whole and complete. O oh, dog, son of a dog, cried my master, O oh, most accursed of slaves, is this all of it but a half-lie? Verily, if it be a half-lie, tis a whole calamity. Get thee from me, thou art free in the face of Allah. By Allah, rejoined I, if thou free me, I will not free thee till my year is completed, and I have told thee the half-lie which is left. 
when this is done go down with me to the slave market and sell me as thou boughtest me to whoso will buy me with my blemish but thou shalt not manumit me for i have no handicraft whereby to gain my living and this my demand is a matter of law which the doctors have laid down in the chapter of emancipation while we were at these words up came the crowd of people and the neighbours of the quarter men women and children together with the governor and his suit offering condolence so my master and the other merchants went up to him and informed him of the adventure and how this was but a half-lie, at which all wondered, deeming it a whole lie and a big one. And they cursed me and reviled me, while I stood laughing and grinning at them, till at last I asked, How shall my master slay me, when he bought me with this my blemish? Then my master returned home and found his house in ruins, and it was I who had laid waste the greater part of it, having broken things which were worth much money, and also had done his wife, who had said to him, "'Twas Kafir who broke the vessels and china ware. Thereupon his rage redoubled, and he struck hand upon hand, exclaiming, "'By Allah, in my life never saw I a whoreson like this slave, and he saith this is but a half-lie. How then, if he had told me a whole lie, he would ruin a city, aye, or even two. Then in his fury he went to the governor, and they gave me a neat thing in the bastinado line, and made me eat stick till I was lost to the world, and fainting fit came on me. And whilst I was yet senseless, they brought the barber who docked me and gelded me, and cauterized the wound. When I revived I found myself a clean eunuch, with nothing left, and my master said to me, Even as thou hast burned my heart for the things I held dearest, so have I burned thy heart for that of thy members, whereby thou settest most store. Then he took me and sold me at a profit, for that I was become an eunuch, and I ceased not bringing trouble upon all wherever I was sold and was shifted from lord to lord, and from notable to notable, being sold and being bought, till I entered the palace of the commander of the faithful. But now my spirit is broken, and my tricks are gone from me, so, alas, are my ballocks. When the two slaves heard his story, they laughed at him, and chaffed him, and said, Truly! thou art skite and skite son thou liedest an odious lie then quoth they to the third slave tell us thy tale o sons of my uncle quoth he all that ye have said is idle i will tell you the cause of my losing my testicles and indeed i deserve to lose even more for I futtered both my mistress and my master's eldest son and heir. But my story is a long one, and this is not the time to tell it, for the dawn, O my cousins, draweth near, and if morning come upon us with this chest still unburied, 
we shall get into sore disgrace, and our lives will pay for it. So up with you, and open the door, and when we get back to the palace, I will tell you my story and the cause of my losing my precious stones. Then he swarmed up and dropped down from the wall inside and opened the door. So they entered, and setting down the lantern, dug between four tombs a hole as long as the chest, and of the same breadth. Kafur plied the spade, and Savab removed the earth by baskets full till they reached the depth of the stature of a man. When they laid the chest in the hole, and threw back the earth over it, then they went forth, and shutting the door, disappeared from Ghanim's eyes. When all was quiet, and he felt sure that he was left alone in the place, his thought was busied about what the chest contained, and he said to himself, Would that I knew the contents of that box! However, he waited till day broke, when morning shone and showed her sheen, whereupon he came down from the date tree and scooped away the earth with his hands till the box was laid bare and disengaged from the ground. Then he took a large stone and hammered at the lock till he broke it, and opening the lid, behold a young lady, a model of beauty and loveliness clad in the richest of garments and jewels of gold, and such necklaces of precious stones, were the sultan's country even with them, it would not pay their price. She had been drugged with bang, but her bosom rising and falling showed that her breath had not departed. When Ganim saw her, he knew that someone had played her false and hocused her. So he pulled her out of the chest and laid her on the ground with her face upwards. As soon as she smelt the breeze and the air entered her nostrils, mouth and lungs, she sneezed and choked and coughed, when there fell out from her throat a pill of Cretanbang. Had an elephant smelt it, he would have slept from night to night. Then she opened her eyes, and glancing around, said in sweet voice and gracious words, Woe to thee, O wind! There is not in thee to satisfy the thirsty, nor aught to gratify one whose thirst is satisfied. Where is Tsar al-Bostan? But no one answered her, so she turned her and cried out, Ho, Sabia! Shariat al-Dur, Nur al-Huda, Naimat al-Sub, be ye awake. Shava, Nusab, Halva, Sarifa, out on you, speak. But no one answered, so she looked all around and said, Woe's me, have they entombed me in the tombs? O oh, thou who knowest what man's thought envoms, and who givest compensation on the day of doom. Who can have brought me from amid hanging screens and curtains, veiling the harem rooms, and set me down between four tombs? All this while Ganim was standing by. Then he said to her, O oh, my lady, here are neither screened rooms, nor palace harems, nor yet tombs, only the slave henceforth devoted to thy love, Ganim bin Ayub sent to thee by the omniscient one above, that all thy troubles he may remove, and win for thee every wish that cloth behove. Then he held his peace. She was reassured by his words, and cried, 
I testify that there is no God but the God, and I testify that Mohammed is the apostle of God. Then she turned to Ghanim, and placing her hands before her face, said to him in the sweetest speech, O oh, blessed youth who brought me hither, see, I am now come to myself. O oh, my lady, he replied, three slave eunuchs came here bearing this chest, and related to her the whole of what had befallen him, and how evening having closed upon him had proved the cause of her preservation otherwise she had died smothered then he asked her who she was and what was her story and she answered o oh, youth thanks be to allah who hath cast me into the hands of the like of thee but now rise and put me back into the box then fare forth upon the road and hire the first camel-driver or muleteer thou findest to carry it to thy house when I am there all will be well, and I will tell thee my tale, and acquaint thee with my adventures, and great shall be thy gain by means of me. At this he rejoiced, and went outside the tomb. The day was now dazzling bright, and the firmament shone with light, and the folk had begun to circulate. So he hired a man with a mule, and bringing him to the tomb lifted the chest wherein he had put the damsel and set it on the mule her love now engrossed his heart and he fared homeward with her rejoicing for that she was a girl worth ten thousand gold pieces and her raiment and ornaments would fetch a mint of money as soon as he arrived at his house he carried in the chest and opening it and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section seven of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two, read by Lars Rolander.